The views and discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program, WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, its staff, or management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on 89.3 FM WMJV. And now your host, Vina Jones-Cox. Good afternoon. I am Vina Jones-Cox, and this is Real Life Real Estate Investing, where this week, as every week, we're putting folks just like you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. And today we have an emergency fair housing update for all of you who have been thrown into the landlording business voluntarily or involuntarily by the real estate market. There's some stuff you need to know. And we're going to talk today about what those things are and take your questions at 772-9658 or 877-772-9658. Before we do that, I want to uh, go over again the um, uh, new homebuyer tax credit that we talked about briefly last week because uh, we were we were hearing what was happening in the negotiations on Capitol Hill last week, but the thing has been finalized now, and we want to make sure that everybody understands exactly what the changes are to the home buyer tax credit. First of all, the credit amount was increased from seventy five hundred to eight thousand dollars, not to fifteen thousand as was being discussed at the in the early part of last week. It is a ten percent tax credit up to $8,000. So uh, folks buying properties worth up to $80,000 would receive a 10% tax credit after that $8,000 is the maximum. It only applies to first-time home buyers. So no, don't call and say, I'm buying my fifth investment property. Can I get the tax credit? It is only for first-time home buyers buying properties between January 1st and December 1st of 2009. You can claim the credit on your 2008 tax return uh, it is refundable if you sell the property within three years of the time that you purchase it, but otherwise it is not repayable. Uh, this is a true tax credit, so even if you didn't pay $8,000 worth of taxes, you will receive the entire amount. So there's some improvements, some things that uh, a lot of folks had hoped would happen that did not happen. However, uh, the thing that all of us need to remember as folks who sell houses is that this $8,000 tax credit applies to people who are buying through any means, including conventional FHA, VA mortgages, as well as owner-held financing and land contracts. So if you have recently sold a property on land contract, you might want to uh, go to your buyer and let him know that he is qualified for that tax credit. Uh, and, uh, of course, can apply that to any down payment that uh, you feel like you need to have. Uh, the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati meets tomorrow night. The early meeting is on how to find the value of any property. That's our beginners meeting at 6 o'clock. At 7.30, uh, last week's guest, I'm sorry, two weeks ago's guest, Tom Rubens, is uh, going to be at RIA to educate us about how to get REO offers accept, uh, accepted. He's going to talk about the realities of being an REO agent, what it takes in the way of paperwork and so on to make sure that all those offers that you're making on those junker bank-owned properties are, in fact, actually going to get to be seen by the bank. 
My guest today is Elizabeth Brown from Housing Opportunities Made Equal. Elizabeth has been a frequent guest here on Real Life Real Estate Investing because she is our local guru on all things fair housing. Fair housing being one of the crucial areas of information that every real estate investor, whether you're buying, selling, selling on lease option, land contract, whatever, uh, needs to know about. And unfortunately, Elizabeth, uh, the reason that you're here today is because I got a call from your office last week saying, we need to get this out because our number of complaints is skyrocketing. That's correct. Thank you very much, Vina, for having me on. But we are seeing an increase in an increase in what I consider stupid mistakes by folks who clearly don't know what the rules are. For a long time, we thought it was just people subtly trying to get around the rules. But more and more, it's really sad to, you know, file a claim against, complain against somebody. And it's like, oh, gee, I never knew that. Mm -hmm. I didn't know I couldn't discriminate against kids. I didn't know I couldn't say I wanted a Christian family. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, in, in a lot of people's minds, especially folks who haven't had any of the kind of training that you, you all do at home and that... The, the Board of Realtors does and that real, the Real Estate Investors Association Apartment Association do, they, they really think that uh, fair housing is, is a race issue. Right. You, don't, you don't discriminate against people of a different skin color, but there's actually a whole lot more to it than that. That's correct. People think of it, the discrimination laws, as being about race, and that is still a problem area where we do see problems there. But most people know it's illegal to discriminate based on race. But there are other classes also that you can't turn people down because of because of their religion. You can't um, say you only want Christians. Um, because of their sex, meaning male or female, you can't decide that female renters are a lot easier than male renters, so you're going to ask just for females. Um, you, can't, you can't do it based on their national origin. You can't decide people are foreign and therefore you don't want them or they have accents and you don't want them. You can't do it based on the fact that they are families with children. And that's the one most people just do not know about. But it's the same, the law is the same if you're turning someone down because of their race or you're turning someone down because they have kids. Mm -hmm. It's the same law, same result. And also because of disability. You can't turn someone down because they have a disability. And we think of that as people in wheelchairs, but it includes mental disabilities as well as physical disabilities. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And th this is not um, a set of laws that is to be bucked lightly. It's not. It's not that if if I discriminate against somebody because they have a house full of kids, that I'm going to get slapped on the wrist and the punishment is going to be over. There is some major stuff that can happen to you if you are found to be discriminating. Right. It is the law. You've violated the law. Um, there are damages possible, and those damages can get fairly substantial. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and just, just we're not here to, to scare people. We, we do need to make them understand <laughs> the, exactly what they're going to be going through other than just the sheer embarrassment of seeing their names in the newspaper as somebody who got sued for discrimination. Um, there, there's everything from punitive damages to uh, actual damages to uh, I, I've seen cases, and I, I know that your, your um, organization has prosecuted cases, where the end result of the discrimination was the family got the house anyway. Right. That, that, that is one of the things that's possible. They can order that the people be allowed to have the house. Um, and people are damaged. You think just turning someone down as a landlord and telling them go find something else is not that big a deal. But it depends on where the family is. I mean, they could end up homeless because you turn them down. And uh, courts and juries will usually find that that's fairly substantial damages. 
as well as the emotional impact. Um, the impact on a an eight-year-old child who knows that his family did not get that apartment they really, really wanted re exactly where they needed to be because of him, and the long-term psychological impact of that can be fairly large. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing. We're talking today about fair housing. Now listen, folks. Whenever we have our fair housing show, we normally get very few phone calls because people are afraid to talk about this issue. And Elizabeth can't even see you. You Use a fake name. Do whatever you have to do to call and get your questions answered while she is here. 772-9658-877-772-9658 or send us an email via askvina.com. Hey kids, have you checked out Vina's website yet at realliferealestate.com? I don't care that you're driving. Learn to multitask. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest today is Elizabeth Brown, Executive Director of Housing Opportunities Made Equal, a.k.a. Home, here in Cincinnati. And we're talking about what's going on in the world of fair housing because, unfortunately, um, as I, as I speak to folks about this topic, I find that they fall into two categories. The ones who say, really? That still goes on? And the people who go, yeah, that's happened to me. I mean, it's, 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 there's, a, there's a fairly substantial divide out there in, in the way folks uh, think about this topic. And uh, uh, Elizabeth, let's, let's, let's talk briefly about some of the common ways in which you all see discrimination happening because it's not it's not as blatant anymore as I ain't gonna rent to you it's it's it, it, it's very rarely that sort of thing it's much more subtle now than it has been in the past but that is correct Vina if you're talking about race unfortunately it's not correct when you're talking about um, discrimination against families with children where landlords are very willing to say no I won't rent to you um, one of the reasons we're seeing a lot more problems is that people are advertising their discrimination um, used to be you put an ad in the newspaper, and the newspaper was liable if they published something that was discriminatory. So they had their people trained, and they say, no, we won't take that ad. But today people advertise on the Internet and on places like Craigslist where no one's checking their ads for them. And I can go on Craigslist any day of the week in Cincinnati and find ads that are blatantly discriminatory, which means that the people in advertising have violated the law. They didn't have to wait for someone to come to them and turn them down. They have said, I have no kids, you know, or things to that extent. I mean, I've got a list here of things people have published on Craigslist um, that just are dis illegal discriminatory ads. Mm -hmm. um, and these are, these are actual things that you've taken off of Craigslist? Right, in Cincinnati within the last couple months. G give us some examples. Um, I'm seeking non-partying renters without pets and children. Infants okay, though. And okay. <laughs> paren, infants are okay. Um, children, minimum age 14. Um, some people like infants, apparently, and some people like teenagers. It's hard, it's hard to tell. Um, there was a f really nice four-bedroom house, two-and-a-half baths in Westchester, a nice suburb that was advertised for rent. And they said that they wanted a maximum of two adults and three children. So you have a four-bedroom house, and usually you really should not set an occupancy standard that's less than two people for bedroom, but these people didn't want any more than five people in their four-bedroom house. Huh. I would prefer no kids or animals. Um, 
Let me see. There is um, a two-bedroom home that wants preferably one adult. So clearly an <laughs> occupancy standard that's, that's well below what's permitted. A two-bedroom apartment, no smoking senior preferred. Mm -hmm. um, all of these are clearly, you know, discrimination against families with children. Mm -hmm. And when we, we may go and test them, we may send folks out and ask. And yes, indeed, you know, if they say they're going to discriminate, they do discriminate. Mm -hmm. They tell us, no, I really don't want families with children. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, many years ago, uh, and I don't even, I hesitate to say how many years ago, um, when I was taking classes to become a real estate agent, there was an exception in a lot of the um, uh, fair housing laws, at least in Ohio, uh, that involved, uh, they called the Mrs. Murphy laws, I recall. If, if you lived in the bottom half of a two-family property, you were not held to a lot of fair housing laws as long as you did not, did not advertise. Uh, my understanding is that's no longer sort of out there. Well, it gets a little confusing because there is a Mrs. Murphy exemption in the federal law. There is not in the Ohio law. So if you're in the state of Ohio, there's no exemption if you live in the house. And as you said, Vina, there's no exemption for advertising in a discriminatory way. And the reason for that is, I mean, we put ads. We pay home pays for ads in newspapers that tells people it's illegal to discriminate against families with children. When you put an ad on the Internet saying no kids you are advertising to the world, all the other landlords that read your ad, all the tenants that it's okay to do that. And so it doesn't, you know, you can't advertise the discrimination, mm -hmm. even if you are a Mrs. Murphy where you're living in the house. Mm -hmm. And if you're in Ohio, there's no exemption anyway. So I was wrong. It is that out there. It is. <laughs> you've got, I'm looking at your page, half the page is taken up with uh, uh, these these quotes from from Craigslist, but you know that's not all there is to it. There's there's uh, uh, folks sometimes think that if they don't say the words, I'm not renting to children, and yet they do other things that would discourage families with children from renting that they're not discriminating or that they're not going to get caught, which of course is not true. It's not true. Um, it's very you know it's easy to get we get a lot of people calling us you know we have a lot of clients where there's somebody who's actually looking for an apartment and gets turned away and they're usually very sensitive usually they know why they've been educated that they can't do that because of their kids so we have people coming and then we also periodically test the market and we'll send somebody out you have a one-bedroom apartment for rent um, we'll send a couple out to apply for it, and then we'll send a single parent with a child. And if you would accept a couple, but you won't accept the single parent with a child, you are clearly discriminating against children. Mm -hmm. And it's right. You're right. It's not just deny. I won't take your application. It's saying things like, oh, this is a really quiet building. You know, most of the other people are older. You know, we really don't know if this would be good for your child. They won't have anyone to play with here. It's right. on a busy street. And I'm worried about your child's safety That's out on right. this busy street. Or, I, you know, I only have a second floor unit. And, oh, I don't want children up there with the balconies. It's not safe. Well, all of those are things that the parents need to decide and that you, as a landlord, should not discourage them. Or steer them to another building. You know, I don't think you'd like this one because there's no place for the kids to play, but, oh, I've got a great place, you know, next neighborhood over or something like that. All of that is explicitly illegal under the Fair Housing Act. And one way to think about it, people have trouble with the, the children part, but like I said, the law is the same on race. 
So if you could get away with saying, gee, I really don't want blacks on the second floor, you know, or I really don't, you know, think people of your race ought to be here, they should be over there. If you can change those words and it doesn't sound right to you, then it's probably illegal because of the children, too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Very true. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing. We're talking today about fair housing. And you can call with any questions, personal experiences, whatever you like, at 772-9658 or 877-772-9658. Or you can send us an email by going to askvina.com, as Ken from West Covina, California did. He says, Vina and Elizabeth, one of the best ways to avoid discrimination lawsuits is to use a points rating systems in rating applicants uh, uh, to see whether or not they qualify. For example, X points for whether they're employed, X points for do they have enough household income, etc. cetera. Uh, for instance, if you have a pet, that gives them lower points than those who don't have a pet, and thus when their points add up, they may not meet our requirements. Good way to do it as long as none of these things affect right. the as long as you, classes. Exactly. As long as you don't get extra points if you're white or you don't get extra <laughs> points if you don't have kids or you get extra points if you're Christian. I mean, as long as you're not dealing with the classes that are protected, he's absolutely right. And if you document a point system, you know, you're you're pretty clearly going to be safe from a fair housing complaint. Mm-hmm. And of course, with the with the uh, the pets issue, you always have to be careful that it's not a helper animal that's related to a disability. You can't say pets are minus five points, including seeing eye dogs. Right. We even got a Craigslist ad about that. You know, the guy actually said that he would accept didn't want pets, but he would accept some clean, well managed service animals if he liked them. But you have to pay an extra two hundred dollars. And you don't pay if you have a service animal, and he doesn't get to decide whether he likes your animal or not. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We have a sort of a challenging question here for you, Elizabeth. This is uh, the this is this is the difference between uh, allowing folks to send emails versus get on the phone with you. Uh, this one comes from Indiana. Why is it the government's job to decide who I do or don't want to rent to? It seems too shade to be. Too, it seems to be shades of Big Brother. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, we have a lot of laws in our society. Um, You know, the Civil Rights Acts were passed back in the 60s, and, you know, the other protected classes were added in in 88. And the government decided that the negative effects of having a large number of their population shut out of the rental market was worse than um, telling landlords that they needed to be fair about who they rent to. Um, there's a lot of things that we pass laws about because it's in the societal best interest, and that was the decision made by the legislators here. Um, you don't get to do whatever you want with your property. You don't get to do things that are harmful, um, physically harmful on them to other people or harming society, and that's what the legislators in their wisdom decided. Um, and I have not heard movements to repeal the civil rights laws. I think most people feel that it was a pretty good thing to do. Ray from Cleveland says, how does the law apply to people with criminal backgrounds and specifically sexual predators? It doesn't. I mean, those are not part of protected classes. You can turn people down because of their criminal backgrounds um, or... As long as you're turning down everybody. Exactly. You know, we did have, we did catch a landlord who claimed it was criminal background, but you know, he only ran the criminal background check on black applicants. He would just accept the whites without doing the check. And that clearly is discrimination based on race, even though he claimed that it was based on criminal background. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. So, so uh, to, to uh, back to Ken's point, if you're gonna if you're gonna have this point system, everybody goes through it. Right. Not not just the tenants you don't like, or the applicants, or buyers, or whatever uh, that you that you don't like. I mean, that's the the the, the whole thing about. Uh, not uh, the the way you don't discriminate is you decide what a good customer looks like, and of course I use that <laughs> term "looks" not in the visual sense, but uh, to say there are certain things that we know are going to, or we hope are going to make a buyer successful as a buyer or a tenant successful as a tenant, and they don't have to do with how many kids they have. They don't have to do with are they in a wheelchair or did they come from the Middle East or are they black or white or whatever. They have to do with how did they take care of their last house? Do they make enough money to pay the rent? Um, would their would their last landlord uh, um, uh, rent to them again? Th- those sorts of things that are much, much more objective and less based on how somebody might look or worship or whatever the case may be. Very true. We all have stereotypes in our head, and we jump to assumptions about people um, based on the classes that we put them in. And that's what these laws are intended to prevent. You need to do it on the actual person what their personal background is, not what you know about everyone like them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest today, Elizabeth Brown from Housing Opportunities Made Equal. We're doing our emergency fair housing update for those of you who are new to the landlording business or who have not been trained in fair housing law. And we're taking your questions at 772-9658 or 877-772-9658 or on our website at askvina.com. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest is Elizabeth Brown from Housing Opportunities Made Equal. Should let y'all know that uh, Elizabeth is also going to be the early speaker at the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati uh, on March 5th. That's and going to have you know the whole story and get up everybody in and trained and stop them from doing stuff that that not only of course hurts their um tenants but also is going to hurt themselves financially i've known people who've gone through fair housing suits and the judgments can be easily in the tens of thousands of dollars for even a small investor i mean god help you if you're an insurance company who's (laughs) discriminating or a big management company or something but even the small investors often end up uh, with 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 judgments and fines and so on in the twenty, thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollar range. So let's um, remind everybody they're going to be hitting the pocketbooks, and, and that this is very important to know and to stay up to date on because things change. Like uh, in the state of Ohio, I understand there's now a law regarding uh, people in military service. Right. They say that you can't turn down people because of their military status and. That's whether they're active duty or in the reserves or in the National Guard, that um, you can't deny them housing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's um, that came up. I'm I'm certain. I, I haven't. I didn't actually follow the history of that particular piece of legislation, but I'm certain because uh, people are afraid to rent to folks who might be deployed right. during the during the lease period. Exactly. Um, I think it's. I don't think it's been that great a problem in Cincinnati, but. Um, places, particularly around military bases, you'll find landlords that were advertising that they didn't want military people in the rentals. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Very good. Let's go to the phones. Uh, these folks have given us a call at 772-9658 or 877-772-9658 in case you want to get on the phone while we're talking to them. Let's start on line one with Dan in Blue Ash. Dan, welcome to Real Life Real Estate. Hello, Nina. Hi, Dan. 
What's your Yeah, uh, my question is, I own a couple of four-unit apartment buildings, and one of my tenants is a registered sex offender, and he chose my apartment building because it was primarily adults, and all his restrictions for schools and such were were met. When I go to rent that apartment, or one of the units in that apartment building, am I breaking the law by notifying somebody with children that there is a registered sex offender there? Excellent question, Dan. Yeah, that is an excellent question, and I think you might be. Um, I think that um, by saying no, you know, you have kids, you need to know that um, there's a sex offender in the building, that um, you clearly would be driving, you know, trying to drive the family out. I think it would be on the same you know, the same lines perhaps as um, making safety decisions for the family. Um, mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I don't want to say that too strongly. You know, I don't yeah. know if I'd say it was automatically a violation. I think you would have to be really careful in how you did that. And, and Yeah, uh, I, it wouldn't be my intention to discourage the parent necessarily, but I would, my own conscience, I don't think would permit me to, rent without them being aware of it. I mean, this, this is public knowledge. Well, and Dan, the, the thing is, what, what's gonna, what, what I can promise you is going to get home t- falling on you like a ton of bricks is if you only tell applicants with children about this. If you don't tell, because th- there are a lot of people who, you know, I don't, I don't have kids. I don't want to live in the building with a sex offender. At the very least, you would need to make it part of your process to notify everyone who was a potential applicant, perhaps at the time that they uh, uh, wanted to fill out an application or something like that, uh, notify everyone. And I, 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 my suspicion would be the safest way to do that is to do, is to tell them to do what the law allows them to do, which is look at one of the sex offender registration sites, is to say um, HamiltonCountySheriff.org, I think is the local one. Uh, yes. here in the area allows you to uh, check for potential sex offenders and get them to sign off that they either have done it and are satisfied or that they choose not to do it. Yeah, okay. and, and what we're talking about is what you would be allowed to do, not what you need to do, and I think we need to make a distinction about that. No one's... No, I completely understand that. So if I were to make sure and do that with all potential tenants, then I would not be looked as discriminating with the ones only with children. That yes, I think that would be correct. Okay. And again, that, that makes sense and makes me feel a whole lot better about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And 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 thank you very much for your call, Dan. And and I I, I want to say for for all of our listeners that are in the the tri-state area here that that sort of question don't don't sit around and wonder about it and try and guess what the best thing is. The if you call Housing Opportunities Made Equal, they are more than happy to help you walk through any situation like this that you might feel like you're finding yourself in. And uh, Elizabeth, why don't you go ahead and give that phone number for, for folks who maybe don't want to call us on the air but have that sort of question. Thanks, Vina. We do welcome calls, and you don't need to identify yourself if you don't want to. The number is 513-721-4663. And that's 721-HOME, I believe, is it? 721-H-O-M-E. All right, let's go back to the phones and talk to Marsha on line two in Clifton. Marsha, welcome to Real Life Real Estate. Hi, Vina. Thanks for taking my call. I've been listening for a long time. We have we had a little house that we were renting out, 
and a middle-aged woman came by and everything looked good and we were getting ready to make her the next happy renter when she announced that it wasn't her who was going to live in the place. It was two of her sons, one 18 and one 17, and a friend age 17. And we said, oh, no, 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 no. Um, we did not want three teenage boys living in our home, but the, we just felt she had misrepresented herself, and so we didn't do any more business with her. It would, is that a problem? Well, Elizabeth's, Elizabeth's anxious to answer this one. <laughs> um, you know, generally, it's it's not a problem. Age is not on the, the list of, of what you can do. So I've had landlords, and, and this I know this isn't quite your, your case, but I've had landlords who said, you know, I'm across from a high school. I get these 18-year-olds that want to rent from me. Can I set a 21, 25-year-old age? And I say, yes, you may. That's not part of the Fair Housing Act. Here you're dealing with minors who would be living on their own, who technically are children, but there is no adult there. And mm-hmm. I, th- I think you would be well within your rights to say that you're not going to rent to children without an adult present. I d- it's, well, it's families with children that are protected, you know, and it's not a family okay. if the okay, adult's I not see. there. Mm-hmm. And and that that unrelated third person does not does not create a family. And uh, as you said, you qualified a particular tenant, and then you got a different tenant, and and you never have to do that. I I, I, well, I don't, yeah. I, I don't I don't That's... I don't care if she just said my sister and her two kids are moving in. If the sister is moving in, the sister's got to qualify. Exactly, and that's that's really what put us off the most was the fact that she misrepresented herself from the get-go. She never she never said a word about other people being the residents. Mm-hmm. So, well, thank you. Th- thank you very much for your call, Marsha. I think it's perfectly fine to be put off by the idea of a 15-year-old and 17-year-old living by themselves in your house with a roommate. <laughs> that sounds like a recipe for a messed up house. Um, Bob, who just contacted us via our Facebook fan site at realliferealestateradio.com, says, can a landlord set occupancy standards for his property, i.e. people per bedroom, as long as he doesn't base it on age or sex? Um, Number one, he is totally right. You can't base anything, you know, on the children's age or sex. Um, You may set reasonable occupancy standards. And um, you and that means generally two people per bedroom. Um, that's not written into the regulations. If you have a tiny apartment, you could argue that maybe it should be, you know, two bedroom, but it's really small, that maybe it should only be three people and not four. And the other side of that is if a family, if you have a really a single family house and a family room and lots of extra space, the family could argue that they should have another additional person. But generally the two people per bedroom is a pretty safe guideline for what you're long, you're allowed to do. If you go below that, like some of the examples I, I gave that were advertising, you know, a two-bedroom apartment and they only wanted one person, you know, the assumption there is, and the courts have not had any trouble saying that's discrimination against families with children, mm-hmm. that you're setting an unreasonably low limit and that keeps out families. Mm-hmm. We received an email via our AskVena.com website from Stuart who says, Failure to inform a prospective tenant about a sex offender may expose you to a lawsuit if the offender did somebody harm. And there there are situations uh, 
in, in fair housing, and I'm sure you could probably come up with a half a dozen of them, where you kind of are stuck between a rock and a hard place with liability versus um, discrimination. You know, you gave the example of, of not, wanting, want, not wanting to put kids in an apartment that's got a balcony or that's on a busy street, and, you know, the there are times when what makes sense to you from a liability standpoint isn't going to make sense from a fair housing standpoint. Right. And I would I would question, you know, anyone can sue you for anything and people often look for blame, but you know, I think it'd be hard time, hard pressed to win a case where you were found guilty for not telling somebody about the background of somebody else in a building. Mm-hmm. Because at least in the state of Ohio, of course, it is the sheriff's job to mm-hmm. notify neighbors and that includes in an apartment building adjacent units uh, of the um uh, occupancy of a sex offender in that uh, property, and you know, we, we I guess we've, we we're talking about this as if we knew that the sex offender was uh, somebody who did crimes against children. And unfortunately, one of the big problems with the Ohio law is that you go to these sex offender websites, and it doesn't give you the nature. Uh, it, it, was it statutory rape? Was it you know against boys, against girls, and I guess we were assuming here that the sex offender had um, uh, contact with children without maybe necessarily knowing that that was the case. 772-9658 or 877-772-9658 are the numbers to call with your fair housing questions. Or you can send us an email by going to askvina.com, as did Ray in Cleveland, who says, related to the bedroom occupancy example, if I have a three-bedroom house and there end up being six occupants, I am paying additional water and sewer. Can I charge more for the additional occupants? This would mean larger families would always pay more. Um. You can't set an arbitrarily, you know, larger amount based on the number of occupants. Um, What you could do is take an actual bill, and if it was, you know, a reasonably small amount that was directly related to what your increased bill would be, you could probably charge a little bit more. Um, But I've seen people that just automatically, you know, double it for every person, you know. Extra $200 per person, which is not related to the cost. And for most folks, divvying up the, the small amount that it's going to be an increase has not been worth it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, you know, Ray, in a lot of single-family homes, the tenant just pays the water bill directly, and then they can use or not use as much water as they see fit. There's no problem with passing the utilities on to your tenants as long as they are uh, of course, separately built. You can't, you can't do that in a two-family and say, well, I'm randomly assigning this much to the upstairs and this much to the downstairs. But in a single-family home, why don't you just let them pay the bill? You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing. Our numbers are 772-9658 or 877-772-9658 or send us a question via askvina.com. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. And don't forget that you can become a Real Life Real Estate Investing fan by going to our fan site at Real Life Real Estate Investing. Sorry, it's Real Life Real Estate Investing Radio. Real Life Real Estate Investing Radio. Dot com And there you can download all of our recent programs as well as 100 archived shows. You would be the rest of your life listening to all the great information 
there at realliferealestateradio.com. So you can pick and choose amongst our many great guests and programs, depending on your own interests. I want to say hi to our newest fans on Real Life Real Estate, Joy George Poinar, Thomas Senatori from Fort Myers, Florida, Brent Jackson from Washington, D.C., Orlando Jordan from Detroit, Anthony Govina, Daryl Holm from Oklahoma City, Maxim Serinko from Cincinnati, James Johnson from Sioux Falls, South Dakota, Manny Singh from New York, and get this, Jeffrey Asselstein from Qatar. We're international. We're all over the Middle East. Don't talk to me about bacon, Mike. Bacon and I have called it a taunt. I'm going to eat bacon, and all bacon eaters are going to become fans of real-life real estate investing, and that's our agreement because I've just given up because they've got like 150,000 fans now. Bacon has gone viral, which means you should eat it. No, I didn't say that. Bacon's good. Bacon's good stuff. Um, just confused the heck out of our guest. Why is she talking about bacon all of a sudden? Uh, let's go back to the phones and talk to Mike from Finneytown on line one. Mike, welcome to Real Life Real Estate. Yeah. I had a question about it. If you had a, let's say you had a three-bedroom uh, ranch house, and you rented it to a mother or a couple with two children, and you went back to collect rent uh, a couple months later, and uh, you found another person there with another, a couple of children, and you demanded more rent or they, they move out, would you violate any laws? That is an excellent question, Mike, because we are seeing and more and more, especially just in the last four to five months, of extended families living together. It's mother and mom's minor children and then daughter and daughter's minor children or two sisters and their children. Uh, we're seeing this an awful lot. So, uh, Elizabeth, what defines a family? And if I think I've got one thing and end up with another thing, what can I do about it? Well, one comment is, I think your comment, Vina, means has something to do with the economy, that more and more people are having to double up because they cannot afford, they've lost jobs. Um, and I think we're going to see a lot more of this. Um, as far as the Fair Housing Act go, I mean, you've got a couple issues there. One is your lease, you know, and whether there are people living in the property who aren't on your lease and your right to identify who's living in the property. You know, I won't touch that, but I think there are some issues there. As far as occupancy standards and the Fair Housing Act goes, um, it would simply be if you're setting an occupancy standard and you have a three-bedroom house, if you try to say that less... that less than six people can live there, you might end up with a Fair Housing Act um, complaint. So if it's, you know, if it's three bedrooms, then six people. And it doesn't matter whether those people are children or adults. It's six beating hearts. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How far can you go with identifying the people who, uh, are, uh, who would move in there at your initial uh, rental uh, situation there. I mean, can you demand identification and take pictures of people? Yeah, I I would just as soon have Vina answer that because that's really, it's not a fair housing question. It's basic landlord-tenant law. Yeah, and and what what I would say is you, not only can you, but you, you must, again, from a a liability standpoint from a financial standpoint know who the adults are that are living in your property because uh, what we very often find is in a situation like the one you just described it wasn't that it wasn't that 
sister got fell on bad times and moved in later it was the intention all along was that she was going to move in and why do you think she didn't fill out an application mm-hmm. either her her credit history is so bad or she's stiffed her last five landlords or she's got a felony on her record or yeah. you know they they, they, they intentionally they, they put the two good people on the application and didn't tell you about the third one and if it's somebody that you would not have rented to Otherwise, you have every right not to have them in your property. Folks who, you know, you call their previous landlord, and they say, oh, my gosh, they trashed my property. They, get, they left $15,000 worth of damages. They don't have a right to live in your house when they never applied to live there and would not have uh, passed your criteria. Okay. So uh, appreciate your call very much. And we have about another five minutes where if you all want to get a call in, the number is seven seven two nine six five eight or eight seven 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 two nine six five eight. It's probably too late to get us an email at the askvina.com site. We did just pick up one from Robert in Hudson, Ohio, who says, I do not want to rent to unmarried heterosexual couples. What is the best way to screen for this requirement while not violating the fair housing laws? I think you're asking... <laughs> I think you're asking Elizabeth how to jump out of an airplane without a parachute and not get hurt. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, I'm I'm not aware that, um, you know, that that would be a violation of the Fair Housing Act. I don't think it falls within any of the categories. Um, It would become an interesting question if that unmarried couple had children, wouldn't it? Because if you're going to say either mom or dad. And their kids can move in here. Yeah. I think you'd have a real issue. But that's no different, Vina, than than saying you can't reject someone, be, you know, who's black. You can, but if you you can't do it because of that. So if you're rejecting someone who has kids for some other reason, you're perfectly, you know, allowed to do that. Um, you know, you you do your screening, and as long as it's not part of, you know, the protected classes under the Fair Housing Act. If not, if as long as you're not turning someone away because of their kids or because of a disability um, or because they are male or female, you know, you you should not, you know, have any trouble with the Fair Housing Act. Well, and, and, and one thing that we should say for our, our national and now international uh, audience is you need to check for local fair housing guidelines because it's not just the federal government and the state that hand down who protected classes are. Cities do that as well. We have we have a, a whole separate little set of, of protected classes here in the city of Cincinnati, and it surprises a lot of people to learn that one of them is people of Appalachian mm. descent. That's right. I think I don't. As far as I know, Cincinnati is the only one that protects people of Appalachian descent. But uh, in relation to the question, there are a number of places that protect people based on marital status, mm-hmm. and would prohibit him from doing. It's not in the federal law, but he should check his local and state laws. Other very common ones are source of income protection that we don't have in Ohio, but many states and many large urban areas say you can't turn someone down, not based on how much money they have, but where that money comes from. And usually that's because of it's a, it's a Section 8 voucher or it's a, a welfare benefit or something like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And there are, are, of course, many areas that protect uh, sexual orientation, uh, protect, um, uh, move move the lines around for age, so that so that people are are protected younger or protected older. Uh, it's not something that you just want to ignore, you know. And and you know, the, I I kind of I kind of feel 
bad for you, Elizabeth, because this home home has been around a long, long time. And yet there are so few people who are aware of it as a resource or aware even of the fact that fair housing law changes and you can't just go on the internet and look at something that's five years old and necessarily know uh, what the current uh, rules are. And it's so hard for you guys to get your message out there. I mean, you're in the paper, you're at RIA meetings, you're on the radio, but it's so difficult uh, for for you all to really get, get in and, and, and train everybody who needs to be trained because it's not a requirement for being a landlord to be trained in fair housing. That is very much true. And I think particularly what you just talked about in the beginning, there are so many people who are in it as amateurs, really. They're in it for the first time, and they they don't understand the rules, fair housing rules, much less landlord-tenant laws and other things. Um, you know, what you do is great. What Rhea does is great to actually train people that this is a profession and that they need to understand those things before they get into it or they're going to get burned. Well, believe me, Rhea and I feel your frustration of wanting to round up every single solitary person who owns a rental property or buys and sells. And But, Vina, if I may, you know, if I can't say anything else, I really want everyone out there to just repeat after me, it is illegal to discriminate against families with children. It is just so frustrating to hear people time and time again do it and say, well, I never heard that, I never knew that. Um, that's the. I wish I could take billboards out all over the United States. It is illegal to discriminate against families with children. Illegal? Did you hear that? To discriminate against families with children. Now, uh, one of the other things that um, your office mentioned when they called was that you've also seen sort of an upswing in another area that folks aren't real familiar with, which is disability. And I'm gathering that this, this this problem is particularly with folks with sort of mental disabilities. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure, I'd be glad to. Um, people with mental disabilities are protected just as much as people with physical disabilities. And you as a landlord cannot ask things like, you know, are you on medications? What are your meds? What's wrong with you? Um, sure, I'll think about running for, for, you know, running to you, but I'm going to call your case manager first and find out what's wrong with you. Um, you can't pry into somebody's, you know, medical mm -hmm. background. If there are things that they have done in their behaviors, just like anybody else, you can make judgments based on it. But you can't stereotype someone because of their mental illness and say, oh, they're going to be a problem. Um, you know, we've had a pro we had one case here in Cincinnati where someone who regularly took Section 8 vouchers refused to take what's called an Excel voucher here, which is particularly people with mental illness. He says, oh, that's for people with mental problems. And we, you know, we won that against him because clearly if you're taking one type of voucher but not another because of their disability, that would be discrimination. The law asks that both landlords and their tenants make reasonable accommodations for folks like that because I know the source of a lot of those sorts of issues are when it's a multi-unit building and one of the tenants is acting in a bizarre way due to their mental illness and the other tenants start coming to the manager and saying, I'm leaving, this guy's freaking me out. And so, of course, the immediate um, reaction is to want to get out the person who's dri driving away. Uh, your other tenants, and one of the places where home uh, can get involved in something like that is in training the other tenants. Right. Or sitting down with the mediation. We're real lucky in Cincinnati. We have a great mediation service that is free to landlords and tenants where you can get the tenants to sit down together and talk with each other and understand what's going on, why there's more noise in that apartment downstairs because one of the children is autistic. And, you know, you, once you understand what's going on, it's a little bit easier. Mm -hmm. 
Again, that's Housing Opportunities Made Equal, 721-HOME, 721-4663. If you have any questions from here in the tri-state area regarding fair housing, don't forget that the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati meets tomorrow night, and the early meeting is about how to appraise properties, main meeting about how to buy REOs. More information about that at CincinnatiRIA.com or at 859-292-RIA. We will be back next week with more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. Until then, happy investing. Happy investing.